Welcome to the Stripped Down Know Nothing Podcast, focusing on the bare naked ladies. That's right, whether they're nouveau or passe, from great provider to you run away, we're It's All Been Done, the podcast. It couldn't happen to a nicer guy. It's my co-host, Evan. I need to love him with an iron fist. I need to love him with a secret list. I need to love him until he doesn't exist. It's my co-host, Sake or. Oh, yes, it is. Goodness gracious, Ev. That's a lot of love. Um, do you feel <laughs> that your uh, capacity for love has uh, diminished or increased uh, throughout this quarantine? Um, I would say it's roughly the same. I mean, I haven't... My opportunities to express love have diminished. So, um, sure. so I would say that I feel like I'm expressing love more, but the thing is, it's only because I'm seeing people less. So I'd say on, on balance, um, I'm still the same curmudgeonly hobbit that I've always been. Sure. Your, your, your opportunities to, to express love to your family have grown exponentially, mm-hmm. right? Yes. 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 I, uh, this... express it daily. Right. <laughs> Whereas before it was a monthly I say, or perhaps bi-monthly. Affair. I love you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've uh, I've gone I've gone to a daily a daily cycle of uh, I love yous. That's very impressive. Wow. All right. Cool. That's exciting. Um, and do you feel that your love is more Iron Fist or more uh, Velvet Glove? Hmm. I would say an Iron Fist in a Velvet Glove. Can I be both? Oh, you certainly can. Yeah. Good. You don't. I'm a, I'm all I'm all fun games, but you don't toy with me. That's right. I won't be <laughs> I won't be trifled with. That's true. I've seen you love until one like person a, does one thing wrong, and then you just fucking snap. I fucking flip on them. Yeah, that's yeah. that's how you keep people guessing, right? You got to be sure. completely emotionally unpredictable so that everyone has to walk on eggshells around you all the time. That's how you control sure. the situation. Sure. Everyone Come needs on, to no, no. constantly worry about how you're going to react to everything, and that puts you in charge because they're worrying about you, and you're not worrying about them. That's what love sure. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to be the center of attention at all times. That's love. You want to run. You want to run your household like a dungeon. <laughs> right. I. You said you love being a dungeon master. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I. I do. But I mean, I'm. I'm not talking about a dungeon master. I'm talking like a. Uh, like a. Not a boss monster, but like an underboss. You know, I just run like a level of a dungeon. So I got to keep all sure. the orcs and goblins in line. All the little. All those. All those spiders in the in room uh, A A three. Sure. Keep, sure. Cre- cre- always be creeping. If you were an underboss, as you say you are, who is your boss? Who is the big guy in charge of you? Is it God? Uh, Jesus. Yeah, my Lord and Savior, <laughs> Jesus Christ. We, we are recording, not to timestamp this episode, but we are recording it on Easter Sunday. Yes, yes. He rises once a year to, uh, you know, give me a good, give my dungeon a good once over. Take a look sure. at it. See how everything's going. <laughs> and fill out your evaluation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you come yeah. in for evaluation. <laughs> Hey, what's you're you're a writer? Uh, why he is risen on Easter? That's such a clunky. I mean, why not just he rose or get him up? My guess is my guess would be that it, it's uh, an archaic formulation that sort of we just carried over as part of tradition. Like it's, there's a lot of I don't know if you were I was raised Catholic and there's a lot of stuff in Catholic mass that is just sort of repeated verbatim over and over. Um, although they did recently change mass a little bit, um, like they added, they took away and added stuff to the Lord's prayer, which was odd, but you know, whatever. Well, canonically, like it was a errata that was just like, yeah, spread like, across like, oh, all yeah oh, by the way, um, yeah, the Lord's prayer is going to be subtly different. We're going to add a little codicil on it. <laughs> In so. paragraph three, where it said exotic weapon, yeah. it meant any martial weapon. Yeah. Yeah. So sure. What, 
I'm, I'm more concerned about what monster you would be in my dungeon. Oh, I'm in your, you're my underboss? All my friends are in my dungeon. <laughs> what monster are you? So the, so just real quick, the hierarchical structure is Jesus. me, you. Jesus, <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, what monster am I? Um, I feel like insofar as monsties are concerned, I might be, oh, I don't know. Is this like a Final Fantasy? Maybe I'm like a cactuar, right? What is that? Uh, What's that? A, a cactuar? cactuar is that... A cactuar is a cactus man uh, mm -hmm. who is always uh, bent out of shape and uh, he's in a strange position. Um, and he's got a move where he usually he does very, very little damage to you. Mm -hmm. But every once in a while, he does a move where he hits you for 999 damage. So he's just a total unpredictable, just a straight, a, a real, like, uh, you know what? Every so often I just explode. I need the situation to be under my control. So I okay. need to keep people on their toes. So, yeah. So the room I'm going to put you in is like a terrarium, basically. It's uh -huh. got sand. It's got some, like, uh, succulents in it. Um, uh-huh. Some uh, varying sizes so you can hide. Oh, so you can hide your uh, hide yourself amongst them. Sure. And then you can get that explode attack if you need to. And um, sure. the, thing, the thing is, you're just going to be a distraction because the real monster is the scorpion that is buried, the scorpions that are buried underneath the sand. Um, okay. So when the party engages you uh, for shits and giggles, the scorpions rise up below them. And then that's when the, that's when the nastiness happens because they're fire. I like that. They're fire scorpions. I like that. And okay, you're immune to the cool. fire because I burn you every day. Oh, very nice. I eat a little bit of fire every day to make myself yeah, immune. Yeah. I feed you burning coal in every hole. That's what I always say. That's my... Uh, that's the F guarantee. That's the F guarantee. <laughs> that's what it says on the front of your dungeon. Yeah. Oh, that feels like a campaign slogan. If you ran for office, would you be Evan Dickin, a burning coal for every hole? That's right. Make America shriek again. <laughs> If we are deep in quarantine, maybe, maybe by the time this episode comes out, the quarantine will be over. Who knows what's going to happen? Are you getting a lot done? Je Jesus does. Jesus does. Uh, only Jesus. Uh -huh. um, are, are you getting a lot done while you're in uh, quarantine? I, are you writing a lot? I have no choice um, to, but to get stuff done. Um, so what? I'm very, very busy. Yeah, I've got a full-time job, which I still work at, and then also... I made the mistake of accepting a couple commissions before we went into quarantine. So I am definitely uh, balls to the wall as far as writing as Hot well. Hot damn. Well, the best time to do it, maybe? Well, no. No, because I also have to co-parent. Yeah. Oh, man. Parenting. God so it's damn. Hard to, yeah, it's hard to write when, like, you're being bludgeoned by a foam sword or, like, someone is just shrieking at you about Monster High. That's not sure. Not my ideal situation. But, sure, you know. Sure. Uh, are you at liberty to say what these commissions are for? No. I have NDA. No. I have NDAs in place. So. Damn! No damn action. That's no what I get damn from action. You. That's right. That's what they call me. <laughs> so they call me back on the streets. No damn action. No damn I'm the guy action. who the, uh, you come up to. I'm like the fixer you come up to in like a Yakuza game. He's like, I don't have anything for you. <laughs> come, what, why don't you check? Why don't you check again later? I love that this is the third episode in a row where we've referenced the Yakuza games. We need to, this needs to be the running, the pineapple in every scene uh, or episode yeah. or whatever the fuck it is for Psych. And there's like a long, I've never watched any of. There's like a long wiki about me and uh, like tricks to try and maybe get me a, to give you a, a quest. Because everybody else in the, in the game talks about how awesome my quests are and how hard right. they are to get. Yeah. So, but <laughs> it's see. just, it's just a red herring. That's the problem with games nowadays is that 
everything is data mined. So if there's like, it used to be back in the day, you'd be like, I hear you can bring Aerith back if you do these certain things on disc one. She doesn't mm-hmm. die, et cetera, et cetera. Nowadays, within a day of the, the game coming out, people are like, nah, we, we combed through all the files. There's no way to, it, she's clearly planned to die here. There's no other thing, which it kind of brings the fun out of it. I don't know. Data mining is a bummer. Yeah, it takes away, takes away the mystery. Why don't you, uh, what you should do is, uh, code a virus into your game that when people <laughs> data mine it it just uh sends all their banking information to you <laughs> sure absolutely yes uh yeah and you have to put in your banking information to play the game it's going to be bank quest 2020 bank quest 2020 wasn't there that one about uh you were playing like an indie game design it was like a simulation game where you played like an indie game design studio and they released a before the game came out uh because they were people were gonna you know torrent it basically and share it they released a version they like leaked a version a torrented version and uh it's basically the first like hour of the game but when you release your first big hit people just start torrenting it and they keep stealing it and your company your company just hemorrhages money and you go bankrupt no matter what you do and it's like a it's like a long process so uh it was a pretty good troll does it ever tell you like yeah. you did this? I think it, oh, okay. I think once your company goes bankrupt, it says you were playing a, ha- a torrented hacked version of the game, and you are you know you're stealing money, you're stealing food from our children's oh, mouths, sort of thing. So incredible! That's yeah. they've been doing that since like uh, even my favorite game of all time, Earthbound, uh, Super Nintendo game. There's a um, basically if you're playing a a dumped ROM file of it. I mean we've they fixed this. Hackers have fixed this long ago, but back in the days before we had the technology to fix it, uh, it would uh, make enemies spawn, I think, four times more often than usual. So you would just like walk one step on the map, get into a fight, walk another step, get into a fight. And then if you managed to play through the whole game and get to the end, uh, the end boss would like uh, garble and then corrupt and then delete your save file. So <laughs> unbelievably fun. That's a, a great uh, little little trick for you. You little hacker people. Uh, Ev. That's right. Mm-hmm. We should get into today's song, I would think. It's about that time. We've talked about Final Fantasy and our dungeons long enough. And these dungeons are places that we rule, which is perfect. Because today's song is called Rule the World with Love. <laughs> That's right. This song is Rule the World with Love. And if you've never heard it before, here is a quick sample. While we were napping, someone else began. All right, Ev. Rule the world with love. Um, what? Oh, you you sound like you're down immediately. Yeah, I think this is my least favorite song on the album so far. Wow. Unreal. Okay, your least favorite song. Hold on. Let me look at the entirety of the album so far. We've had some clunkers mm-hmm. on here. Home was a real clunker for me. Um, yeah. Uh, maybe you're right was a little bit take it back i did not like but rule the world with love is your least favorite what was so floppity about it for you well um i'd rather start with what i liked about it before i start just trashing it um i'd love i mean i liked the 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 opening was good like musicality wise like they had a good build there Mm -hmm. and i liked kev's piano work as always like i liked in the chorus where he he starts off sort of just riffing and then he's he he mirrors Steve's vocals at uh, like he just kind of like walks walks into a uh, like harmony with Steve. How could it happen when we couldn't lose? And now 
was slapping makeup on the bruise. Though it was handed to us, we refused to rule the world Yes. Which is nice. Oh, man. That that solo was, I wrote it, it might be my favorite part of the song, too, because it feels like a very kind of improvisational, jazzy bar-like mm-hmm. solo. Like, that's very, very cool. Yeah, yeah his, like, that, that solo. It's like a little mini, mini solo, yeah. I mean, I enjoyed like the synth accordion, like on the version. That was nice. I wondered what that was. I, I couldn't exactly recognize it, and it didn't seem to be listed in the liner notes. The 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 the, the thing on the chorus, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a it's it sounds like an accordion, but he's not like in the liner notes. Kevin isn't listed as playing an accordion on the song, so I just assumed it was the synthesizer, synth- right? Yeah, that that sounds. I I I'd said it could be like a melodica or some weirdo wind instrument, but it's probably a synth. You're probably right. Yeah. 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 And I mean the, the the chorus I didn't like at first, but it kinda grew on me. So I guess that's that's my, my musical take on the song. Let's but can overall, we break down I wanna break yeah. down the chorus. Let's talk about the chorus a little bit. I said this chorus okay. was okay. S- fucking spot on BNL fucking pivots all the way through. It this is like uh, a maze of BNL pivots. be all about the pivots you've changed ev you just thought it was okay it's like there's a pivot and then there's like idiomatic garbled nonsense like let me, <laughs> one for all is fair in love and war love and war are one like is that a pivot or is that <laughs> well, just the same or is that just the same words rearranged in a different order like they just it <laughs> was like it's break. like the, it's like an algorithm read <laughs> a couple it- idioms about love and war and then just try to like spit out a line of code it's have you ever done those markov chains where you put in a word and the computer will will uh based on ai try to figure out what the next word should be and then taking that word what the mm-hmm. next word should be and so it composes a story mm-hmm. you're right this does feel very much like a markov chain of a chorus but he feels like okay hearts are one which already we have the dual meaning of one w o n and one w or o n e right so like our right. hearts are one and our hearts are one and empires fall. Okay, sure. These two things. And then empires fall in love. You're right. That doesn't mean anything, but boy, <laughs> it sounds cool. Empires fall in love with love. Cause maybe, you know, it takes love to run a successful empire. And then we move to love will conquer all. And then we pivot love will conquer all to all for one, all for one, one for all. <laughs> and then one for all is fair. Oh, now we're getting kind of this like this uh 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 des- despotic like iron glove sort of one for all is fair. Oh yes, I I rule. And then all is fair in love and war, and then love and war are and then we have that dual meaning of one and one cuz you can win war, you can win love, but our love and war one. Buddy, 
there's just so much to take from this chorus. I see I see your gears like I see your gears stripping <laughs> as you try and like digest this song. Like that there are what 16 words in the chorus uh yeah. and and 30% of them are the word love. <laughs> you might be right, but it feels like this is uh it feels like this is one of those like poems where uh, fucking I don't know, like you can read it straight down and then you can read it back upwards and it has a totally opposite like it feels it very... does feel like that but it isn't <laughs> well let's read it backwards let's see if anything comes up one are w- war and love war and love in fair is all for one mm. one for all conquer will love <laughs> love with love in fall <laughs> empires one are hearts God by defined as love, love, love. <laughs> now that's the pre-chorus. Come on. Don't fucking bring that into this shit. <laughs> um, yeah, boy, that was almost the sentence, right? It, yeah. uh, if you squint, it really sounds like that could be something. Or you could read the, you could read the stanza straight down. Love hearts in love, one love. <laughs> Wait, what? If you just, that stanza, like that final, that's final stanza that leads into the chorus. Um, uh-huh. First word of every every line love hearts in love one love or reverse it love one love in hearts love i think i'm having it's like a beatles song (laughs) you're right this is like a beatles song thank you for comparing this song to uh the most prolific band of the last uh, hundred years i think that's exactly i would say this is like a number nine or like a a maxwell silver (laughs) hammer yeah i'd put it in the same category as a beatles song uh i truly i i enjoyed this felt like a return to form for the bnl twisties tourneys oh, that that we ugh. love so well this you did like, not you called vanishing adult contemporary but this was like the adult contemporary like archetype for me like it just felt like really? a an empty rock song interesting well here's because when i saw the title rule the world with love I truly didn't even, rem- I didn't recognize the title. I didn't remember. I was like, boy, this is a deep cut. And I listened to it and I kind of had the same opinion as you. And I was like, I am not so sure I'm into it. But this might be the rare Bare Naked Lady song where the more I listened to it, the more I liked it. I think hmm. that's happened on just a handful of songs so far. But this one, I felt like I uncovered something every time I listened to it. Uh, okay. <laughs> you, I understand. Was this did this grade on you the more you listened to it? Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. It didn't go down. It didn't go down smooth. I'm I'm surprised in all the things that you mentioned that you liked. You didn't mention the thing that you always say you like the most, which is the really understated strings in this song. Yeah, they were there. Um, I think they were too understated because I barely noticed them. I need to love you with a secret of I need to love you till you don't exist Wow, I thought they really pulled out that second verse Like they made it really pop And that was one of the things I discovered on my 75th listen That I, on the 74th, you're right, I, I just wasn't super into mm-hmm. I don't know and, and before I was writing notes, as I was writing notes, you could see me sort of turn. Like at the beginning, I said, I'm not a huge fan of the song, but the structure is cool. It's got a lot of pre-chorus, chorus, verse, bridge, alternate verse style. It changes, it mutates, it grows, it evolves. Like this is an intro. I didn't think it was adult. I didn't think it was easy at all. And I'm not talking about the song. I'm talking about, you said this felt like a, a kind of a hollow rock song. 
Mm-hmm. I thought this 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 kind of popped in a lot of different ways for me. Yeah. Well, good good to hear. I'm happy <laughs> for you. <laughs> you know, it makes this me show- happy to see you happy. <laughs> I like you. I like it when you like things, Saker. It makes me it makes me uh, feel good inside. I can feel a, yeah. little, a little tingle in my heart. <laughs> That's good. That's good. I'm glad. I'm glad I make you happy because you make me happy. Just Brent. like the. Uh, just like the Iraqi people felt a little tingle in their heart when Bush the first, second announced our winning hearts and minds strategy, which is what this song's about, right? Yes. Um, I didn't, uh, I, I'm, I'm sure I could have, if I had thought a little harder about it, equated it to Bush. I just thought it was the guise of a dictator or the war, a war profiteer or mm-hmm. something like that. But yeah, you're right. Hearts and minds that 100% makes sense. Yeah. Sure. I mean, this is I'm sup- two, 2006. So yeah, I'm sure. I mean, this is like, Right in the right in the bush, right in the bush era. We got two. <laughs> him, we got two more hit years. Him right in the bush. Yeah, we got two more years till Obama. Right, he's two thousand and eight. Right, is that's when he? Uh, yeah, at, that's yeah. correct. Yeah. So. Yeah, boy, I can't wait to hear Bernicke ladies during the Obama administration. How they will change? How soft <laughs> they will get in the middle? Yeah, they'll call him a war criminal, and uh, you know his. <laughs> drone strike we'll talk about drone strikes on weddings and things like that you know god i wish they did but i feel like once steve leaves the band and this is again all just pure speculation Mm -hmm. and once they we stop having a republican administration for eight years they just like look desperate they make they make an album about pinball like truly like well steve steve definitely seems like the uh like social justice warrior of the group um uh kev you know? too probably i don't know like what like what is kev written songs about well, i mean didn't didn't wasn't kev didn't he just star in that documentary about like native cultures art and uh did you see that that movie that he was in <laughs> no okay uh he was in a movie called uh there are no fakes uh mm-hmm. and it was uh, a movie where basically um uh, uh he bought a painting and it was thought to be, I'm reading this straight off the webpage, a painting thought to be the work of an iconic indigenous artist leads the rock star who buys it into the tragic and brutal world of an art forgery ring in Canada's north. So he bought this painting oh. because he he thought it was cool and it was by uh, the world's first indigenous art star, Norval Mousseau, the self-taught, self-destructive native Canadian genius. Uh, and uh, then he began to doubt its authenticity. He sued the gallery that sold it to him. And so uh, uh, he finds himself in the middle of two darkly com- comical feuding factions, all white people, each claiming to be the true defenders of this native artist's legacy. Wow. We should, we should maybe at the end of this album, we should each watch There Are No Fakes and talk about that. That would be a fun movie review, right? Yeah, we'll just add another episode to our running total. No, we always do something to go with I know. the wrap-up. You piece of okay. shit. You're trying to okay. make me sound like the bad guy. <laughs> I don't need to make you sound like the bad guy. <laughs> it's true. I am bad. Uh, but yeah, I think Kev looks out for looks out for uh, Native Indigenous people. I think that's a, a thing that he does, well, maybe. Well, he bought, he, he bought a painting. Uh, based on what you said, he bought a painting and then tried to figure out if it was a real painting or not i don't uh, know he, if that necessarily puts him in like the <laughs> you know he bought it he bought a forgery from forgers <laughs> he bought it with the understanding that he was supporting uh native art and then he found out that he wasn't i believe is the idea yeah, i mean there's a there's a there's a but there's a for me there's a big difference between like 
purchasing indigenous art and being and writing songs that are critical of people of the government or you know like i don't think kev's gonna write a song about you know the the tar sands and the uh native the native lands that are being taken away and things like that doesn't seem like kev if anybody will be jim because he's you know he's up with those stony creek uh powwow singers oh that's true you've got a point but i don't know the stony creek powwow singers i mean it was good it was good they got a voice but i don't know did it seem did it seem reductive Mm -hmm. did it seem I, maybe not exploitative, but like, I don't know. That was a weird, like, well, the song's about a spider and I kind of have this tribal envisionment for it. So maybe I'm going to invite the Stony Creek singers in. I don't know. Well, he said in his, uh, I, I think it was in, did we talk about it in the episode where he said it was the voice of the cosmos? I do not. Rec- it's, it's possible, yeah. but that does not, that I don't he recall said, that. He said like, like, yeah. He said, "Like the uh, the powwow singing is like the the voice of the cosmos inserting itself into the song." So, like, you know, Jim Jim is like a he's a technician, but he's also sort of like weird. I guess is the best way to put it. Like, <laughs> a mad, we call him the mad scientist. I think that's uh, yeah, that's fair. Um, so yeah, yeah okay, he, uh, he did what he did. But you're right. I do I do agree with you that Steve was probably the leading force of social justice behind the band. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, yeah. Once yeah. he's gone, well, I mean, we'll see. We can. I mean, we can have a full-on experiment to see how many, how much, how many uh, critical songs they write after he leaves. I I guarantee we won't remember this conversation when we're knee deep into fucking Silver Ball. But yeah, well, I, I well, I'm, I'm curious. Getting it tattooed on my arm, so I better fucking remember <laughs> the entire conversation on, to this point. My tattoo on my arm says "Don't trust Teddy," which I find very strange and do not understand. But. That's fine. Whatever. Um, Lyrically, yeah. I thought uh, this song was about uh, trying to equate love and war in the eyes of a dictator or a profiteer, like I said, or maybe war in the guise of love, um, which I think is pretty clear, like you said, uh, winning the hearts and minds of the Iraqi people. Here's what... Well, here's here's one thing I liked. I felt like verse one was someone who lives in the country that's being ruled or taken over by love under the guise of good, right? Because we have stuff like, mm-hmm. you know, while we were napping, someone began to rule the world. It didn't happen overnight. It doesn't mean it's right, et cetera, et cetera, right? But then verse two, mm-hmm. I feel like starts speaking from the view, the POV of the ruler, right? Very, Pretty, very clearly, you know, I need to love you with an iron fist. I need to love you with that, that thing that you said to me at the beginning, mm-hmm. which I feel mm-hmm. is like such a great set of lines. I was super into that. I thought it was very cool. I don't know. So I like that. I like that change of the POV. Um, and then the third verse, though, uh, I think was still from the dictator's POV, but he's lost, right? He can't understand why he's lost, even <laughs> though his his intentions were pure. And that kind of put me in the mind of maybe like a Vietnam or sort of something like that. So I didn't see it match one to one with Iraq, but I might be wrong there. Yeah, uh, for me, it was one. It was pretty clear. I mean, it couldn't happen to a better man, George Bush. It wouldn't happen with a better plan. He didn't have a better plan. Mm. While we were napping, someone else began to rule the world with love. So he's, you know, his heart's and mind was a it was good in theory, like trying to, I mean, because we learned in world war two, you can't just go in and fuck a place up and then Mm -hmm. like exploit it. Uh, Well, Mm -hmm. you can, but uh, you have to be very careful about it because then otherwise you get a Nazi Germany. Um, So, or a Weimar Republic or something like that. So, so it's, 
I mean, the, the interesting thing about this song for me was, and it, I don't think it had anything to do with the song itself, but it made me think about like the responsibilities of the victor over the vanquished. Like if you're coming in, especially in an American context where we're, where we frame ourselves as the good guys and we're spreading like, you know, democracy across the world and late stage capitalism. Um, so I think that, I think that that's sort of a, I think this is specifically from an American viewpoint where we're going in and we're saying, oh yeah, we're going to save these Iraqis from a brutal mm. dictator, Saddam Hussein. We're going to save ourselves from, you know, yellow cake, which, you know, wasn't actually there. And, you know, he, we're going to, we're going to win these hearts and minds through, you know, being there for them. But in reality, it fell apart because George Bush just handed all these exploitative contracts to his, uh, you know, fucking skull buddies from the skulls. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's that's and that's interesting. So you, this song made you think about things that actually mattered to you, or you, yes. that you cared about. Okay. Yes, but I don't. But it wasn't like it wasn't that the song was talking about them. It just sure. kind of like I just it just like oh yeah, this is the same general subject. So I thought about that, and that's pretty that's pretty uh, interesting. I mean, we wa- we dropped the ball. I mean, America is the only remaining superpower in 2006 right and we we just kept we dropped the ball in a lot of aspects and not just bush but like obama too i mean we had the opportunity to set some ground rules that we just didn't do so right right yeah i i do like those lines that you talked about the the first two uh it couldn't happen to a better man it wouldn't happen with a better plan it's a a, another great bnl pivot where i feel like you know the first line we Mm -hmm. begin to feel bad for this guy and by the second line we've already uh, started to think of him as a villain which is is interesting and fun um, here, here are the lines. Can I tell you the lines that I hate out of this song? Um, yeah, yeah, please. Uh, <laughs> love, love, love as defined by who? And then love, love, love as defined by God. Ask me a question in the first verse, and then you answer it in the second. And I'm not sure what the relevance of this is. I, did you did you did you take anything from that that felt interesting, or I don't know? Uh, um, I think that well, it spoke to sort of like the moral majority in America pushing for war. I feel like you know the right is far more allied with the with religious religion than the left and tradition sure. and that sort of thing. And I think that's what it was talking about because we're, we're nominally going into a place that is, you know, Muslim with our, you know, it's basically just a crusade sort of situation where we're going in and trying to impose our values. And uh, sure. so, so love is defined by God. Who's God, right? Because nominally Christians and Muslims worship the same God, but you know, there's Ooh. different sets of precepts, things like that. Same. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that at all. So anyway, all. yeah, that's, I, I don't, I, I don't want to think about that either. Okay. <laughs> Lyrically, the song was just flailing. It mm-hmm. felt like to me. So I do. Whenever we get these Paige Robertson jams, and this one is credited to both of them, mm-hmm. I feel like they're on two different. Like they, they both submitted a draft of a song called <laughs> "Rule the World with Love," and it was up to Ty to fucking like I don't know tie them together somehow. I don't know because his name was Ty. His job was to tie them yep. together. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. I do feel like there's a disconnect between some of the lines in here. Um, do you think Lin-Manuel Miranda is a big Bare Naked Ladies fan? You know, that'd be great if he was. 
I felt like this song specifically reminded me conceptually of a lot of the King songs from Hamilton. Where do you do you know hmm. these the songs that I'm talking about? I have not listened to Hamilton. Okay, I know the I King should. So- I know I should. It's you don't have to truly. I mean, it is. It's it's you know history through the lens of you know painting people as as good instead of you know the the shit bags they all were. Um, but mm-hmm. there's a the King and Hamilton. Uh, he's got two songs, and both of them are uh, Britain, the UK, kind of singing to the US and saying, you know, I love you so much that you know I'm gonna show it in these horrible, awful ways. Oceans rise, empires fall. We have seen each other through it all, and when push comes to shove. I will send a fully armed battalion to remind you of my love. Da, 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 um, and Empire's Fall is even mentioned in those songs as well. So, you know, I'm absolutely sure that there was no influence taken, but <laughs> I, I felt a, a parallelism between the two. Um, hmm. I should have, uh, you know, maybe told you to listen. I don't know. We could have talked about them or we could have had some conversation that uh, that flowed from there, yeah. I suppose. Yeah, I mean, we could have we could have probably got a uh, good old Lynn. He I call he lets me call him Lynn on the show to uh, talk about it. He, we know he's a podcast boy. He yeah. loves my brother, my brother and me. He loves. I could have gone through Justin. I could have gotten him. Yeah, yeah you should have. I should have. Should have. Fucking, I don't. I mean, I, I would love to be friends with Justin, but how horrible would it be if I like messaged him was like, hey. Can I have a more famous person's email address? I don't know you that well. You've been on the <laughs> podcast three times. How garbage would that be? That seems Pretty like garbage. our that seems like our M, that seems like our mo. Yeah, we're, gar- we're garbage. <laughs> yeah, we belong in the really, we belong in the trash. It truly does. Um, yeah, I uh, I agree with you though um, that Kev is the star of this show, which you mentioned before. But at mm-hmm. the same time, we mentioned Ty. Ty is no slacker here. I love his like surfy sort of drums on the chorus. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's doing great. And I thought Steve was kind of killing the lyrics in a weird way too. Not just written, but the way he's singing them. I thought he's like doing a big, good mm-hmm. job. Everything that you said about big, vanishing. Good la- job. He's a big, good boy doing <laughs> a big, good job. <laughs> Everything you said about vanishing last week felt to me like it applies to this song. This is the deep cut, lyrically dense, instrumentally layered song that true BNL fans can be like, yo, you like BNL? Wow. I bet you don't like Rule the World with Love. Yeah, because it's not good. <laughs> I guess. I, I don't know. I mean, I, we're not going to find... This is going to be the exact opposite of last week. Like, where you, Yeah, this just, it, doesn't seem, it doesn't seem cutting enough to me. Like... It's a critic. It's critical of the government, but it feels kind of like limp-wristed criticism, right? I feel like a lot of the reason you liked Vanishing last week was because it reminded you of your life and your experience with your father, and yet this song, yes. which makes you think about critical things like the Iraq War and our, you know, uh, trying to push ourselves on. Well, it makes cultures. me. It makes me think about them because it talks about them. Right. So it's even more. On the nose than vanishing. You don't like on the nose. You like death of the author. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I want I want this song rewritten by like Randy Newman in the seventies. <laughs> is what I want this song to be. 
Iraq people got no reason. <laughs> that one might be too on the nose. Um, I'm just, I'm going to write a song for you, Evan, that just goes like this. Thinking. And it's going to make you think about things. And therefore, it's going to be your favorite song of all time. Just simple yeah. enough and, and evocative enough. If, yeah, is that just the entire song? It's just you, yeah, you say thinking one, one time? <laughs> yeah. Huh. It well, sets your brain I, I guess spiral. I got to isolate that. Yeah, I got to isolate that and just repeat it over and over to me. And then maybe put it to a sweet, a sweet house beat. A little, <laughs> Which a little I've acid. done right here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Think, 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 thinking. Oh no! Hey, you put yourself up to that, buddy. That's not me. <laughs> I sure did. Um, yeah, that's uh, God. Do you think that could be uh, on the Billboard Top 100? My my new song, Thinking. <laughs> well, I haven't heard it yet. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Pretend that you did. Um, it's got chops. Okay, good. It's got Thank chops. <laughs> Just some random shit that I thought about. This I really song. liked it. I really liked it where you uh you put in that dubstep portion where the, the it kept it kept getting faster and faster 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 than the beat dropped i think that was my favorite part of the song oh and the horns were good too <laughs> i also was amazed that you made it a seven and a half minute song and you put the whole thing in here <laughs> uh yeah um so uh just just some random notes that i had uh i love the high chorus uh where they say love after the solo because it sounds it sounds very angelic very cool it feels more mm-hmm. like an instrument uh, than it does a vocal um, uh, sort of compliment, which was very cool. I love the voice as an instrument. I did say this song skirts a weird line between being too ambiguous and uh, too ambiguous slash mysterious and too on the nose. Because I was like, as mm-hmm. defined by God. Like I was like, okay, I get it. Um, and then mm-hmm. I thought for a four minute ditty, the song felt long. It it felt like it was yeah. longer than it's four minutes. I mean, four minutes is not a, not a, not a, a, a walk in the park anyway. It's a pretty long song and it, it felt like a five, five and a half to me. I don't know. What else? What else did you have to say about this song? <laughs> I could only, I could only find one live version and it just sounded exactly like this song, but Kev was playing a real accordion. Yep, you got it. The all-new review version. Um, there, it was very similar. Nothing else was on YouTube, even. It's it's yeah. a true deep cut. No Yu-Gi-Oh! AMVs, nothing. Nothing. No Yu-Gi-Oh! AMVs. <laughs> Which what, is a real bummer. What, what AMV would this song be actually set to? What do you think? Uh, maybe that is... Uh, no, that's too one-to-one with Stunt, where everything was anime. I was going to say, that could be our next uh, album, is make an AMV. Um, boy, <laughs> let's see. So, it's going to be a war-based anime... Um, so maybe this could uh, be now and then, here and there. Uh, it's uh, it's about. Uh, well, I'm uh, glad you uh, glad you found it. I just googled what was that anime called, and then <laughs> it, it didn't really return many results. Uh, it's about uh, uh, the world is desolate and militarized. Survival is a daily struggle for displaced refugees, and water is a scarce commodity. Uh, so yeah, it's depressing. Um, yeah, so that is uh, that's that's what I I think this AMV would be. Do you want to do that AMV since I did my thinking song? Are you gonna release an AMV along with this episode? No. 
<laughs> Okie dokie. Thank you. It won't come out for another week and a half. We have time. No. Uh, no, no. Okay. No. All right. Never mind. Uh, yeah. I fe- Do you feel like they've taken all their... Because, like, Bad Boyfriend BNL, I feel like, ended around stunt. And then I feel like mm-hmm. they took all their Bad Boyfriend sensibilities and are now, like, one to one them with anti-war sentiment. Well, like, the... I remember, like, the Bush era, and I remember it as an era of, like... when. I remember it this way because I was a fucking undergrad for the latter half of it. So of course right. I remember it as like a time of like social upheaval and like I remember going to protests and like marching on the street and you know being so furious about Bush and now I look back at it and I'm like, "Oh, oh, sweet sweet summer <laughs> child. You have such more so many more horrors await you in the Trump uh, era." Do you wish you could go back to the Bush era? No, I don't think it was much better than the Trump era, but at least it had like the semblance of like business as usual. I mean, they were still there were still politicians and there were still career bureaucrats doing their jobs, whereas, you know, Trump basically drained the swamp by filling it with radioactive waste. Like, (laughs) I mean, there was there were backhand dealings and Bush definitely cut his buddies in and shit like that under the table and i don't think he was better i don't think he was much better than trump but goddamn like it, it did set the it did set the fucking table for this though like he just his handling of the iraq war and i'm not saying obama is like you know smells like roses but you know he did some questionable shit as a president too but of course bush was nasty and trump and trump is just nastier you know yeah oh absolutely yeah it's uh it's it's fucking horrible out there and i feel for all the the marginalized people who have to deal with this mm-hmm. shit it sucks um yeah. and the worst part is we're gonna probably have four more i hate to be a, a fucking provocateur on this podcast but oh yeah that's my sense of it too but you know what i'm gonna keep voting as progressively as i can and then i'm gonna keep protesting and giving money to liberal causes that's yeah like what else am i going to be able to do yeah that's that's all you can do i guess i could burn it i guess i could try and burn it all down but i don't think i'd get very far i feel like we when you have a family you you give that shit up right i mean can you can you be a revolution not not a revolutionary per se but i mean i don't know we've been to protest together we've been to protest with my son we've been to and i'm sure we'll bring your son to protest once we can the pandemic is over yeah yeah it doesn't if the poor government uh, (laughs) response doesn't kill us all sure yeah that's true all right uh cool wow that's a what a depressing i guess with this song it's hard not to be depressing yeah 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 couldn't happen to a better man (laughs) it couldn't happen to a better cast uh, all right, Ev, um, will you tell us what romantic comedy this song is about? Oh, yes, of course. It would be the Seth Rogen, James Franco, uh, and Randall Park vehicle, The Interview. Uh, oh, Do you remember okay. that? Uh, yeah, that one was the one where, like, North Korea banned it or something. Yeah, yeah, They North Korea not only banned it, but they, like sent like death threats and they like hacked into the uh the sony that was the sony hack wasn't it yeah yeah the sony hack and they tried to like yeah i mean of course korea shook its fist and promised like dire retribution and then pretty much nothing happened from what i have read but um it's a pretty straightforward movie uh seth rogan plays aaron rapaport a producer james franco plays dave skylark (laughs) a uh, um a sort of like access hollywood uh interviewer 
Um, they have a party for their 10,000th episode, and during the party, another producer uh, from a news program uh, sort of gives them a gives a, a Seth Rogen a backhanded compliment. Seth Rogen's like, "Oh no, we're real news. See, we were, we interviewed Tom Hanks," mm-hmm. and then the guy sort of like is un, unimpressed. So they decide they're going to get somebody super famous on and do a hard hitting interview. And of course, they find out that Kim Jong Un, played by none other than the inestimable Randall Park who is one of my favorite actors. Love him, yeah. He is hilarious. Um, He is a a fan of the show. So, of course, they get a... uh, They set up an interview, uh, then they are taken in by the CIA and embroiled in a plot to assassinate Kim Jong-un, which ultimately doesn't really amount... Well, they actually do assassinate him in the end by shooting him with with a tank. But um, basically, the the romantic comedy aspect of it are that uh, Kim Jong-un and Skylark slowly fall in love uh, through the whole thing. Uh, they're playing basketball. They're driving their tanks. They both love Katy Perry's fireworks. Um, Ev, they're partying think, with hot babes, and they fall you, into this. Do you think when two people become friends, they fall in love? No, I mean they specifically refer to it as like a honey trap. Oh, they do. Oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like they. It's it's a little bit more than like just. I mean, I think that. When two people become friends, they don't fall in love. When they fall into a bromance, that is definitely a type of love. Sure. And also, yeah. you have made it very clear to me that I love you. That's true. I and have I'm forced not, you to and say I'm not that romantic- Yeah. Yeah, I am not romantically <laughs> interested in you at all. So, I mean, basically, you open the door for any comedy where two people are friends to be a romantic comedy. But romantic. You just said you're not romantically interested in me. Right. But So loving bromance. someone is not the same as romance. Isn't it? <laughs> you just said that <laughs> don't you try to gaslight me <laughs> all right go ahead i'm sorry I so anyway there is also a romance in the uh um another romance in the series between uh, uh james uh, i mean seth rogan's character aaron and uh um uh sukian park the minister minister of like um uh, propaganda uh, played by D- diana bong she's uh she's great in that role too and uh mm-hmm. they decide they're going to she starts kind of hardcore but he wins her over and uh eventually they sort of uh hatch a plot um but james franco is so in love with kim jong-un that he he foils it um and then uh come they go out to dinner at a chinese restaurant uh and kim jong-un does his uh does his villain turn uh when both of his bodyguards die uh one of them is poisoned by james franco and the uh, and as he dies he shoots the other one so he's lost two so uh, Kim Jong-un has like a big exploding scene and it freaks out James Franco and he goes and runs and he sees that all the propaganda he's been fed earlier is just propaganda. And uh, so when they finally sit down for the interview, he asks hard hitting questions and uh, uh, makes Kim cry by singing Katy Perry's fireworks. And then when Kim cry, he uh, he also shits his pants. Um, <laughs> That's very funny. So uh, while this is happening, Rappaport and... Uh, um, Sukim Park lead a uh, rebellion, and uh, basically they like Kim breaks up with him on air by shooting him in the chest, by shooting okay. uh, James Franco in the chest. Okay. But he's wearing a bulletproof vest, of course. Yeah. Um, and then they try they escape in Kim's old tank, the one they were tooling around in earlier. And Kim tries to get them in a helicopter, but then they shoot his helicopter down with the tank. End of movie. North Korea is saved. Um, we have brought love to their people. You see that it's slowly becoming a democracy again, and oh everyone's boy. happy. So oh, you can fun. see there's a just like just like in this song, there's a ton of layers in uh, the interview. Sure. Um, 
it couldn't happen to a better man. It wouldn't happen with a better plan, right? Right. Kim Jong-un needs to be killed. Um, and then while they're napping, while all the people, uh, while um, James Franco and Seth Rogen are napping, uh, someone else begins to, the plot, which is the propaganda minister. Um, Kim tries to rule the lo- world with love, but um, he says he loves his people. They're like his children. Uh-huh. Uh, one for all is fair in love and war. He sees himself, as, Kim, Kim Jong-un sees himself as uh, the, the father of the country. Couldn't happen to a nicer guy. Kim Jong-un comes off as a real nice guy. He, see, he comes off as like someone who's just misunderstood. And uh, then slowly, just like this song, you see, you become to, you come to not pity him, but detest him. Mm. He loves his people with an iron fist. He loves his people with a secret list. He loves them until they don't exist. Koreans are dying. North Koreans are dying at an unprecedented rate due to starvation and government failures. And uh, um, how could it happen when we couldn't lose? And now we're slapping makeup on the bruise. They're murdering Kim Jong-un. Though it was handed to us, we refused to rule the world with love. So they're actually just going to kill him. They end up shooting him with a fucking tank in the end. That's hilarious. Oh, yeah, so conflating uh, love with war is uh, just basically the same thing in the interview uh, oh. as before. Interesting. So, and just like America going into Iraq, we uh, think we're helping North Korea by removing their dictator and destabilizing their region. And you know what? We may be, but only time can tell. Sure. I mean, in this movie, we certainly were, weren't we? Mm-hmm. Uh, Ev- yeah. Is, is this movie good? You made it sound funny. I like Randall Park. Uh, the the cameos mm-hmm. on this page: Ben Schwartz, Seth Meyers, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, uh, Eminem, Rob Lowe. It sounds like a blast. Is it a fun movie? I remember wa- when I watched it. I remembered enjoying it. I don't remember like laughing out loud often, but it was uh-huh. like it it was funny ish. I would give it <laughs> if it was if it had a if it had a score on Rotten Tomatoes. I would give it fifty one percent. <laughs> okay well wow you are just prescient aren't you uh i'm, I'm gonna add it to our movie list i'm gonna add it uh, as soon yeah. as the movie gets yeah, uh... watch, you know i'd watch it again I okay yeah it, it'd be it's something i don't remember well enough to like hate god so. can, can you imagine uh, uh, uh kim jong-un reading the script for this and getting really pissed off because he shits his pants in this like <laughs> I, I just love the idea that he saw this and 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 had to read about himself shitting his own fans. Somebody wrote fan fiction about him. That's just a delight to me. I don't know. Do you want me to write a story about you shitting your pants, Saker? I wouldn't mind. In high school, I did have a friend who did write a piece of friend fiction about me, which felt very strange. But yeah, I wouldn't mind if you could work into one of your commissions a character named Saker who shits his pants. Oh, oh, you want to be you want to be uh, Tuckerized? You want to uh, actually be in a story? You don't. You don't want me to write a story about you shitting your pants. You want me to write you into another story shitting your pants. Just like, yes, Tucker Max, of course, from Tucker Max Must Die. I want to be Tuckerized. <laughs> what is Tuckerized? Tuckerization is where you just, you write somebody into your story. Like you write a name into your story. Oh, I didn't know that. Why, why is it called Tuckerization? Uh, you know, I don't know. I've just always heard it referred to that. Um, yeah. uh, it's yeah. the act of using a person's name or characteristics in an original story as an in-joke. God, we can both access the same information at the same speed now and yeah. say it to each other. Yeah. Wilson Tucker, a pioneering... Yeah, now you don't have like the fucking jump on me all the time. <laughs> I like to be the only guy with information. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Now, now it's like we're both arguing on Facebook, <laughs> where you can where you can take thirty seconds, Google something, and then repeat it as if you'd known it all along. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, yeah, Wilson. Tucker. As you know, Saker Tuckerization is named for William Tucker, the pioneering sci-fi writer. Oh, really? Not Wilson Tucker? 
I don't know. I wasn't looking at the page anymore. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. Very cool. Cool, cool, cool. Hey, uh, cool, I cool, can cool, tell cool. that you are uh, very, very quickly running out of romantic comedies to do. Are you excited that you only have one more song on this album? Uh, yeah, sure. And do you have any idea what you want to do for Brennan Good Ladies Are Men? Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, as usual, I would just look to the wall behind you and I will find an idea. <laughs> Which board game are these songs? Uh, you figured it out. That's not bad. I <laughs> That's mean, That's a pretty good a, one, actually. Yeah, yeah, all right. We'll have, to see, we'll have to see what suggests itself in the end. Uh, the problem is that one of our wheel segments is fun and games where we create a board game based us. <laughs> it might, I could just remove that wheel segment for well, a we bit. Will, we'll, we'll, never, we'll never roll that. No, I yeah, we, you. we have 45 wheel segments. We'll never roll them. Um, I have been assured that that's not the, that's the, that's the case. <laughs> okay, sure. Um, let's, let's go ahead and, uh, and move on to rating this song. As you know, uh, we rate this song as we do every week on a scale of bare naked to fully clothed. The more clothes this song is wearing, the worse it is. The fewer clothes, the better. So, Ev, what do you think about this song? Let me know. It's my birthday. My Happy birthday, bir- buddy. My birthday, my sick 15th birthday. And <laughs> okay. I'm opening up my presents. I got, let's see what I would have gotten back then. I got a sweet, like, s- uh, CD-ROM set of some of the newest game mm-hmm. for Macintosh. <laughs> I got a, um, oh, I got a bunch of like Dungeons and Dragons novelizations, like Ooh. the whole Forgotten Realms uh, series, Harper Dra- series. Is Dragonlance got... D&D? Is that a Dra- D&D yeah, thing? Yeah, that's Dragonlance. Okay. Yeah, although I wouldn't, I was never a fan of Dragonlance. Oh, um, uh, yeah. I probably got some sweet, I got like a monster manual or something. Ooh, and fancy. then last but not least from my aunt, my beloved aunt, Grendula, I got a <laughs> box. Uh, it's a light box. You can always tell, you can always, when you're opening presents as a kid, you always, or a young adult, you always know they contain clothes. Sure. When they contain clothes, they're like that. They're like that. You know that light box. You're like, oh yeah, this is a fucking button down or something. Sure, like that. sure, sure, sure. But and I'm like, I can I can feel my I can feel my erection droop as uh, I open the box, <laughs> and uh, disgusting. You, you, you don't open presents at a party fully erect, like aroused. <laughs> I do only when they're yeah, from I, my aunt Grendula and my uncle Frenulum. <laughs> you have a, wait. You have an aunt Grendula and an aunt uncle Frenulum. Yeah. Yeah. Those are pretty common names, from, so I wouldn't uh, be too excited. Well, yeah. I mean, do they run a stall where they so sell Precious, Precious Moment, Moment dolls, dolls at, at, Ro- at Roger, Roger's Flea Market? Yes, absolutely. Holy shit. Holy are shit. Are we brothers? <laughs> <laughs> do we, wait. Your dad's dead, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, your dad's name is Michael Dickon? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Bro, I think we're brothers. <laughs> what a weird revelation! Wait, you were at this birthday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wait, did you grow up in my house? <laughs> we were. Ra- were we raised together? <laughs> did Did you come from my mom? <laughs> All right. Sorry. So you're at you're right. at the birthday party that I was at that I remember this. So story. I opened. This, I know what you're about to say. I opened this. Ex- yeah, I opened this expecting a uh, button down and some khakis, but mm-hmm. inside is none other than a. Uh, like let's say a smashing pumpkins t- long sleeve t-shirt and a pair of like uh, dark black ripped jeans mm-hmm. and a uh, um, what am I going to wear under that 
probably that's a that's a good outfit for me probably like some sort of some sort of light shirt like a like a light like shirt from a metal band i liked back then so like a children of bodom uh metal shirt and uh just to wear under it and i'm like what the fuck oh and also oh the piece de resistance is like one of those like pewter dragon necklaces you could get at a mall kiosk uh-huh it has like let's say let's say little little uh ruby color like red pieces of glass for eyes and like spreading wings and it's a little it's a little pendant that can wear sure super fucking cool um yeah and then a pair of like doc martens or something you were such a fucking nerd yeah yeah i was the (laughs) fucking greatest there like yeah yeah i was oh yeah yeah i'm I'm just see it's all coming back to me and then uh (laughs) And so, like, I'm like, I can't believe that my aunt got me these. And I'm, like, fucking beside myself that I just stripped down and put them on right then and there in front of everybody. (laughs) Thank God you weren't erect. Yeah, yeah, thank God. Um, Or I would have been censored. I couldn't have ever ever made it on HBO with an erect penis. (laughs) Um, So I I put it on there, and I just wear them. I wear them, and I don't take them off because I fucking love this. This is the perfect outfit for me ever. And so I went to school. I take showers in it. I wear it to sleep in. I get it outside and slowly the clothes just start like after months and months, like it's just disgusting. Like they're just full of funk and BO and mildew. And like, I'm like somebody at a con who doesn't believe in deodorant, like that level of like funk. And you're like stuck in the room with me. So no one wants to sit near me. No one wants to be near me, but I'm wearing this pretty hefty outfit of clothes. And they're just like rotten and hanging off my body. And uh, you know, it's, you know, I don't have anything on my face. Uh, so I get to, that's, that's pretty clean and my hands are clean and I mean, I'm wearing boots and yeah, so it's just a rotten suit of clothes that's just hanging on me. But I, but you know, love, love is hate and war is, is decrotitude <laughs> and life is death. And, uh, you know, uh, love or conquer all for one, one for all is fair and love and war and love and war are one. Mm-hmm. And that's what I, <laughs> that's what I say. And as I'm slowly going insane, they're like, um, our my our mom comes in and she's like Evan, I need you to change your outfit. And I'm just like sitting there like <laughs> writing on the writing on the wall with like a piece of a piece like a pen. And love will conquer all for one. One is fire and love and war and love and war. One in love with love hearts are one empires fall. Love 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 is defined by God. Like I'm just like doing that. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. A, a real like memento moment there. Memento mori. Yeah. Uh, I I remember when this happened. I just forgot that that was you. Yeah. 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 Um <laughs> yeah, boy, it's hard to follow uh that where you've gone completely <laughs> insane and are wearing zombie clothes. Um let's see. So, uh I wake up in the morning. It is On ne- your birthday. Uh no, it's it's a uh, you know, it's near the beginning of the school year. Uh and you know, I'm still trying to make a good impression. I'm still trying to uh uh you know, be 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 kind of cool and uh so I get up and I put on um this t-shirt. I got this t-shirt from a friend of mine who uh, is a- an amazing artist. Uh, she's also a junior and uh, it has her character from her comic book that she's writing named Tira on it. And she's written this and she made like, you know, a bunch of these t-shirts just for her friends and I thought it was so cool. And I think, boy, this is going to be cool. People are going to see me in this t-shirt that, you know, nobody else has. It's unique. It's interesting. So I put my t-shirt on. I put my jeans on, my socks, my shoes. I go to school um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's second period and, uh, I'm going into Mr. Ford's class. I was looking forward to having Mr. Ford all my sophomore year. Cause I heard the stories about him. Mr. Ford 
great guy, cool teacher, social studies class, and you can get him off on a tangent just by saying one thing. Um, and you know, it's and it's fun because he's smart and he knows a lot of stuff, and it's fun to hear him kind of go off on things. And at the beginning of class, we're doing a unit on uh, I don't know Mesopotamia or something, and somebody asks him, "Well, you know, what about uh, this this grain?" And he, well, actually, what the about Mes- this grain? <laughs> the Mesopotamian people <laughs> didn't actually use that; they use this type of grain because it it's better for the climate. Blah blah blah. Uh, and at that moment, uh, someone busts open the door of his classroom and says, "Turn on the TV. Turn it on to CNN." And then just leaves, and we hear him busting in the next door. And Mr. Ford goes, and then he turns on the TV and turns it to CNN. And we see that one of the Twin Towers has fallen. The reason I remember this outfit so well, it is because the outfit I wore on September 11th, (laughs) 2001. A t-shirt, jeans, socks, and shoes. Kicking off the war on terror, just like George W. Bush kicked off the war on terror. Um, So this is, you know... Everyday wear, not too much, not too little. It's a fine song. Uh, I'll probably end up replacing it on uh, my final mix, uh, but it's... uh, (laughs) But you liked it. I liked it. I liked it fine. But, you know, we could cut the fat from this album. I think every album should be 10 tracks long and run for about half an hour. That's my ideal album. That's your... I mean, that's why every 2D6 album is 10 tracks long and runs for exactly half an hour. Tell you what, that's not true at all. Those are like 17... (laughs) We put on superfluous shit. I listened to... Uh, flood the other day while I was cooking the Ibi Giants flood fucking it is it breezes it's like 15 tracks but it's done in like 35 minutes and it's there are so many hits on it it's a blast from start to finish <laughs> um, that's what we gotta make more albums like that Ebo damn right that's what we got going on here uh, we're gonna be right back with more It's All Been Done a Bare Naked Ladies podcast <laughs> hey Evan yeah what are you up to? What are you looking up on that computer there? I was waiting for you to tell me the story you promised me. The story? What story? Uh, when did I promise you I would tell you a story? What were we talking about? During the brief during the brief interstitial break, you leaned into the microphone really close and you were like, I'm going to tell you such a good story. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. Because you had mentioned paper clips. That's yes. right. Yes, yes, yeah, yes, yes. I was yes, talking yes. about I was talking about paper clips, uh, boxes, and then uh, table legs. Yes. Okay. And you're like, actually, I have a very I have a very amusing anecdote that's going to make everyone on the in the viewing audience laugh. Yes. Okay. So here's the deal. Um, this happened when I was. Uh, it was near the beginning of the school year, uh, September 11th, <laughs> 2000. <laughs> God damn it. I think these are two episodes in a row now where we could easily just get canceled. We are, cancel culture is real and uh, we uh, are the next victims. Just, um, just mentioning September 11th is going to get us canceled? I think so. Well, I mentioned it as part of a joke. I said it would make everybody laugh and then you did a big laugh. Yeah. I don't I know. Mean, I didn't do anything wrong. No, that's true. You're fine. This show is going to be the, how would you feel if you had to do this show alone? I wouldn't. You're still wouldn't. Un- you're still under contract. I feel with- great because I would just not <laughs> do the show. You're under contract with the Orange Groves. Joe comes to you and says, "Listen, we know Saker's gone, but this is my Joe impression. I don't know why. Uh, it doesn't sound like them. But uh, uh, okay. And you, you, um, we have to keep this show going. Why? <laughs> well, we promised our network uh, 52 more episodes, a full season." Why would you do that? <laughs> Saker signed the contract. 
Why? <laughs> Jesus. You're right. At that point, Joe just leaves. <laughs> they can't deal with this bullshit. Good point. Yep. That's my plan. <laughs> just be a toddler and keep asking why. Well, and then I, then I, uh, for no reason, flip out. You know, just to put him off his put him off his guard and uh, establish my establish my dominance. Sure, absolutely. Uh, Actually, I start off the convers I start off the conversation with, uh, "Can you hold this bag of water for me?" Uh-huh. If someone were to hand you like a Ziploc bag just full of like cloudy water, and it's like, "Can you just can you just hold this for a second? Sure. So these are just techniques in which to to. Uh, and then I just start taking M and M's out of my pocket, like not like <laughs> bags of M and M's, but like my pockets are fucking loaded Individual with M and M's. Sure. Or do I just keep I just keep like spilling them all over the floor and shit? You know, like so that's gonna that's gonna up. I mean, if someone like I'm, I assume we're doing it in his house or like a, his studio or something, so I'm just getting M and M's all over his fucking floor. Uh huh. Yeah. And I'm and I'm super apologetic about it and like gracious, but like and I try and like pick him. I'm like, oh my god, I'm so sorry. I'm so 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 sorry. Um, these were my dad's M and M's, uh, and <laughs> every year I uh, every year I go to his grave to scatter a handful of M and M's on his. And you're like, oh god, his grave. He loved these. He loved to mix M and M's and Skittles together. Reese's Pieces. <laughs> we did that at one of my Halloween hand- Halloween parties once. It was fucking not fun for anyone. <laughs> yeah, that sounds horrible. We we thought it would be a funny trick, and I guess it was for the first yeah. like thing that you pull, and then after that, nobody eats anymore. Yeah, like candy is not like Chex Mix, right? You don't want to like <laughs> throw in a bunch of like pretzel. I mean, pretzel, like all, all the salty stuff goes together. All the sweet stuff. No way, buddy. That's true. That's true. You could probably mix like Reese's Pieces and uh, um, M&M's. Yeah, you probably, it's the it's the fruit flavor that throw. You can't mix chocolate and fruit unless it's a chocolate covered strawberry. Or, uh, or those like chocolate oranges. Yeah, I guess chocolate. Fuck. So I don't know. Could you do chocolate? You can, skittles? but like, I don't know the... I don't think you can mix chocolate with assertive fruit. I get what well, so like you wouldn't want, you wouldn't want a ch- you want like a chocolate dipped Starburst. <laughs> well, I don't know. That kind of sounds good. I'm, I know you would eat it, yes, but I mean, do you <laughs> want it though? And no. And here's why: the problem is not the flavor. The problem is the texture. When you bite into something chocolate covered, you want it to be soft, right? Mm-hmm. Or at the very least, yeah. crunchy. Just not yeah, that you don't resistance. Want- you don't want rocks or bricks or something. Yes. Do you remember Brock's Rocks? Brock's Bricks? No, I don't. <laughs> no, Brock's, Brock's Rocks was a bad... Oh, I do. Aren't they Weren't they just like those little... Yeah, weren't they like the like black hunks of... I, I vaguely remember a rock-shaped candy. I, I, maybe I've gotten the name wrong. And we are both, of course, looking it up as we do at this point. Um, but no, Brock's Rocks was... I believe they were just like shaped and, and, and uh, looked like rocks. Uh, but they were actually chocolate. Uh, but so I don't know. You could convince yep, people that you're... They had a, they had a sweet dinosaur. Can- yeah, he looked like Denver a little bit. A little, little bit like Denver the last dinosaur. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, those are dumb. What were we talking about? We were talking about mixing, uh, cho- dipping things in chocolate. Sure, absolutely. Um, yeah, right, right. So, uh, so yeah, there's some uh, maybe uh, innate human desire to eat rocks. The fact that Brock's rocks existed. It's probably pica or something like that, where you just people like people eat dirt. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. If if they're imbalanced, if they're imbalanced somehow, people eat yeah. clay. That's true. Yeah, there's actually I think in down in South Carolina, there's a certain type of dirt, like a red clay that is actually has a lot of like minerals and stuff in there, and it's it's not I wouldn't say it's like a part of a local cuisine, but it 
it can be like there is there are dishes where it is prepared like a um really like a bonbon or something yeah huh interesting with other with other things yeah it's just mixed in with stuff Ev, what what is the the strangest uh non-typical food item you've ever eaten oh i don't know i've eaten i'm, I'm pretty down the plate as far as food are you just talking about like i mean i eat I used to bite my fingernails, so I guess fingernails. Sure, yeah, fingernails counts. Have you ever like uh, bitten your yeah, like a piece of dead skin and swallowed it? Oh hell yeah! This yeah, is gonna freak people out. I feel like this is not good podcast. <laughs> this is gonna upset people. Yeah, I'm trying to build a bezoar in my stomach so that I can I can cure uh, diseases. Build a what? That's like a um, you know, like like uh, people who eat hair. Oh yeah. If there's that. There's that. There's where if you if you're like a woman with long hair. You can eat too much of it, and it gets like tangled in your digestive system, and it makes like a, um, a not a, a hairball, but like calcified hairball. And those are called a bezoar. And once they're removed, actually, they, they you can use them for alchemical alchemical stuff. You asked. <laughs> You're right. I did ask. I'm sorry that I'm so freaked out. So yeah. In reality, in reality, they have no actual purpose, but like m magical stuff, you know. Sure, 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 sure. Yeah. Uh, what's the strangest magical thing you've ever? Do eaten? you know what else is useful for magic? What's that? Oh, a uh, unicorn, a unicorn taint. Okay, cool. Uh, the the most useful thing for magic. Gosh, you know what? I don't know, but I'll bet the folks of if not us, then who definitely know. That's right. I would like a. I, I bet there's. I, I bet there's magic podcasts, like podcasts about like magic. But I want a podcast where a guy is just describing the trick he's doing. <laughs> so he's like, "All right, so I uh, I fanned out the cards, and I had my partner pull one of them randomly. It's a Queen of Hearts. All right, now I'm shuffling the deck, and now I'm cutting it again, uh -huh. and now I'm putting it down on the table, and I'm having them look in their back pocket, and they found the Queen of Hearts." Is there the other person like, on the cast where they go like, yeah, wow, wow, yeah. wow I, I found the Queen of Hearts. Yeah. yeah, we can do, we can do, we can, we could both be master podcast magicians. Fuck. Well, we can put another, I'm sure jo Joe, your friend and mine would be down to have another show on the network. Should we have, what is that show called? Uh, uh, I think it's Turnin' like, Tricks. Turnin' Tricks is the answer. Got it in one. Damn, dude. That's what I call hole in one. Uh, hey, one time, once upon a time, my friends and I were trying to come up with what would be a great name for a comic book shop slash mini golf place. And truly, we were trying to beat each other and names were few and far between. The best name that I could think of was Hole in Wonder Woman, which is not a good name. Yeah, that's bad. It truly is. Uh, uh, folks out there, if you can think of a better name for a comic book shop slash uh, uh, mini golf place, Please hashtag hole in Wonder Woman and tweet it out at us. I would love to know. Um, what the fuck was this commercial for? Oh, if not us, then who? A Power Rangers inspired actual play podcast running the tabletop RPG of the same name. Each podcast episode, four players describe each beat of a story using the game's card system. There we go. So you want to hear some Power Rangers Sentai shit? You are in. It's not shit. I meant stuff. I'm sorry, Riley. You got it. You got it. <laughs> I'm sure it's a great. I'm sure it's a great game. I bet it is a fucking great game. So yeah, there's yeah. no, there's no, there's no. I bet it's a fucking. I, I bet it's a fucking shitty game. It's got all, <laughs> all the shit in it. Power Ranger shit. And by shitty, it's just you just mean full of things. Just, yeah, I mean shitty in a good way. Sure. sure. Yeah, yeah. It's got all the shit in it. In the yeah. 80s, we were able. It's like we, the walls are painted. 
walls are painted with shit. <laughs> we labeled bad as good in the 80s. Do you think we can bring shitty to prominence as awesome now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yo, dude, that shirt looks shitty on you. <laughs> That would be fun. Yeah, it'd be good. I mean, but shitty is like one of the few insults that like is still fine. Like, it's not. I I, I don't I don't think shitty is a, is problematic at all. At least it hasn't been explained to me yet. So it's one of my go tos. Like shitty or shit or asshole, like butt stuff. Because everyone's got assholes. Sure. Everyone's got shit, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. So, you're right. Uh, yeah. So I kind of want to okay, preserve so that. So you don't want to use. I want to preserve that for my for my personal use. I went. Sure. Like the Chinese okay. emperor, I want uh, a word that no one else can say that only I can use, and that word is that word is shitty. Sure. So I would I would ask that everyone else respect my uh, authority and uh, refrain from using that word that only I am allowed to use and describe. You got it. Lalilu lalo, my friend. Goodbye. Yeah. And we're back with more It's All Been Done, a Bare Naked Ladies podcast. Now's the time in the show when we spin this huge fucking wheel and see what our segment today is going to be. Hey, Ev, our yeah. segment today is Fun and Games. Hey! There's, a board ga- <laughs> There's a board game based on this song. What are the mechanics, pieces, etc.? Oh, I imagine no. Imagine this board game being like Risk, except yeah. once you take a territory, you can never leave it. And uh, it just it 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 just uh there's like a card mechanic where you draw a number of cards equal to the number of territories you've taken, and each of them uh each of them hits you with a existential moral quandary that you have to <laughs> no, solve. It's, yeah, it's risk combined with the game of life somehow. Like yeah, uh, yeah. you've 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 flown a drone into a wedding and shot yes. the groom. Yeah, yeah, or, uh, or I, like I, yeah, there's no power in Dahar because uh one the um contractor you handed it to is a kleptocrat and stole all the money (laughs) right see i feel like this is a hard game to to be a board game maybe it's more of a computer game because the way i see it it's risk except more granular so you you take a territory but then it zooms in and you see what people on the ground are doing and how you're hurting (laughs) them and like then it turns into sim city yeah um that sounds i mean a video game did we allow for video games or are these just board games I mean, What's fun that? and games, it just says, let me read it one more time. It says, uh, there's a, oh shit, there's a board game based on this song. What are the mechanics pieces, et cetera. Okay. So, yeah. uh, so we, we can't do that, but I, I do, I, I like your idea of risk. Now, you know, in risk, you also can't leave a territory once you take it. Someone else has to force you out from it. Right. Right. Okay. So, um, but every time you take a territory, you have to draw, um, civilian casualty cards. And um, it's just each card has just a list of names, occupations, and like like uh, favorite food, like each and like one fun fact about each of them. And then you just have to sit there and read them to each other. It's it's a legacy game too. So once you pull the card, then you have to take it and put it on your wall and memorialize it. And then you have to have a whole wall of the dead. Oh yeah, and it can have internet functionality too, where the card's got a QR code and you can scan it with your phone, and then it brings up the whole background, like the wiki page on that person. It's, it is weird, though, because at the bottom of the wiki page for that person, there is like a share to Facebook that I killed this person link. So it's kind of got a social aspect <laughs> to it where you could just like, you know, uh, you know, see what your friends are doing, see who they've killed, see who you've killed. So it's fun. Wow. What a game. That then, sounds um, like a blast. And then, well, also, also you can, you can, there's lots of, you're faced with choices every turn. Like we said, you get these moral quandaries. Um, the, the problem is, is that the good option is always 
more difficult to do and leaves you in a worse place than when you started. Sure, sure. So the, and, the, the bad option is easy to do and rewards you. Yes. Yeah, that like makes in real, sense to Like me. in real life. Just like in real life, yeah. Um, and, and you've got... If you try... And if you try to, if you, if you accrue too many good options, you actually can lose all your territory and be stripped because you're, you're functioning in a fundamentally broken system that cannot be repaired. <laughs> also, the game comes with a rock to hit yourself in the head over and over again as you play. Is that an, is that an a rock pun? Oh, shit. No, but now it is. <laughs> uh, and it comes with uh, a flock of seagull CD. There's an Iran pun. I guess that's yeah, the, end the rules, of that the rules also well the rules also don't quite make sense and there's cheating within the rule system like like oh yeah this guy um so you draw you'll draw a card randomly and it'll be like oh yeah you made friends with the CEO of uh, uh Chase Bank Jamie Diamond uh you can <laughs> for the next turn spend as much money as you want Yes. Yeah, the rules the rules are actually written in uh the same material that uh Rorschach's mask is printed in in Watchmen. So every time you open them, they've like changed a little bit and the words are different and they're in different combinations and Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Is it called Rule the World with Love? I think it has to be, it has right? To, it has to be. Yeah. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Um I think maybe the box makes it look like a game like a kind of a, a stereotypical girls game, like a Mall Madness or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> like I mean, soldiers the world futuristic tanks and like battle mechs and stuff but like they're all they're all like chibi and uh, yeah like <laughs> yes. fucking yeah. funko dolls yeah they're super deformed they all look they ha- have huge heads and big smiles sure i love that sure mm-hmm. wow i think we've got a hit game on our hands my friend <laughs> that's right rule the world with blub Now's the time in the show when we take an email from our friends, our fans, our gooey little smackums. Uh, if you have an email that you want to send us, you can do so. Our email address is it's all been done podcast at gmail.com. This email, this email is from our friend Laura. Hi. Uh, oh, sorry. It's called Intriguing Questions Raised. Oh, thank you, Laura. Hi. New listener here. I was intrigued by your discussion of vampiric transformations in the Sound of Your Voice episode. A friend of mine said that you had an interesting idea, and they were right. I would love to hear more of Devin's theories, which are reminiscent of philosopher Dan Olson's. Dan argues that, because fiction is made up by a writer, there is no reality at stake. A vampire thus can sparkle in the sunlight or burn up in the sunlight, and neither is more correct because, as Devin said, vampires are not real. But vampires are real. I won't bore you with the history of it, as I know many people find history very dry and boring, but an examination of mud fossil records suggests that human history is much weirder and wilder than your high school teachers wanted you to believe. Colossi, vampires, werewolves. While many of our stories are fictional, obviously, the creatures themselves are, or were before the Inquisition, quite real. Obviously, time has heightened what they could do for storytelling reasons, but there are mud fossil records of incredible things out there. (laughs) Looking back on some of your early episodes, you seem to talk about what the uneducated call mythology quite often. Do you feel like the bare naked ladies were true believers or that maybe only one of them, Stephen, was and that's why the band broke up? Anyway, I hope you'll do some research and come to see the beauty of this weird ancient planet. Love and respect, Laura. 
So, <laughs> Laura's, Laura's wants question is... wants us to know is, if they're true believers. Yes, she wants us to know if the Vatican ladies uh, were true believers or if maybe they they broke up because only Stephen believed in vampires and werewolves. I guess my question is, like, true believers in what? True believers in vampires, werewolves, colossi, etc. All the well, weird, wild things of this world that mud fossil records say that exist. Well, I mean... Laura very clearly pointed out the existence of those things. So belief is is, necess- is unnecessary. You wouldn't call them believers, right? Well, well, if you it, if you it, internalize a fact, like I don't believe in gravity. <laughs> but she, I, I think what Laura is saying is that these things are did not. He, did they know the truth? Wide, well, yeah, they're not widely known. The truth is not out there. Well, it is out there. They don't have it, right? So I mean, yeah. Steve could. So I, I would, I prefer, I think I prefer to call them truthers instead of believers. Sure, <laughs> absolutely. And I, and I mean, the thing is, uh, I mean, people are presented with evidence all the time. I mean, the world is round, right? Flat earthers, you could present them all the evidence you want. And they're just not going yes. to believe. Flat earthers believe the world is flat, but the world is round. So belief doesn't play into it. Sure. But they believe something, regardless of right, whether they it's believe true. They believe something because you, you can't believe in something that's that's true. It's just it just is. You can still believe. I g- belief yeah, is the okay. opposite of truth. Yeah, I, I guess I do see. It makes me feel uncomfortable, but I guess I see what you're saying. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I've I've been down in the mud fossils. I records I've seen. So you're a true believer. No, I'm a truther. Oh, you're a truther, right? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So uh, the I'm a true records. truther. And now I'm a little, I got to say, I'm a little upset that in all the time we've known each other and in all the times we've talked about what I believed were cryptozoological things, but now I'm coming to learn are just zoological things. You've never tried to spread the truth to me. You weren't ready. You weren't ready for it. Am I ready now or did Laura just fucking crack the nut? Uh, well, I mean... Clearly, you're not ready because you just seem so credulous at the moment. Uh, buddy, I'm incredulous. I gotta say. Okay. <laughs> Do those two okay. words mean the same thing? Well, I wanted to lay a, I wanted to lay a philosophical... No, they don't. Incredulous okay. means you can't believe. Incredulous means you can. And oh, credulous okay. means you can. Yeah, credulous okay. means you believe anything. You're gullible. <laughs> Got it. Um, Go so uh, I wanted to lay a proper philosophical framework. So we wanted to Do- talk about like, you know love and and hate and truth and beauty war. and war and how they're all one and uh-huh. that everything's fair and that uh love will conquer all for one one for all and fair and love and war and love and one or war for war evan come back to us um, evan evan okay sorry sorry so yeah i wanted to i wanted to like i wanted to like prepare you mentally because i didn't want you to have like a break like you're apparently having now why are you carving sigils into your flesh well, I, 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 I mean, I feel like I recognize these sigils. Is this Those what Teddy are is? the wrong sigils. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay, what sigil is this that I'm carving? I mean, it's a, it's a, like a half. I mean, I shit. Guess. This, I is the, could... this is the Whataburger logo. Why am I doing this? <laughs> Fuck. Okay, sorry. The Longaburger basket logo? <laughs> yeah, the Longaburger logo. Yeah. <laughs> just cart etching a basket into your flesh? <laughs> Um, so, so, so do you believe, so I guess what, what the question remains is, do you feel like the bare naked ladies knew? Cause you know, do, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, definitely at least one of them. I think Laura's onto something with Steve knowing. Sure. 
Well, um, I mean, Steve, as a time traveler, was kind of a, a an aberrant uh, a being himself, right? But I think where I think where I break with Laura is that the she seems to believe the Inquisition wiped out all the vampires and werewolves and, and weird cryptozoological stuff. But uh-huh. I mean, the um, we as we learned from uh, the Egyptian uh, cuneiform uh, scribings, then the uh, Prosecco, Prosecco stone. They, uh, <laughs> we, uh, sure. where uh, various types of uh, vintages of wine were compared in uh, Enochian and Aramaic and, of course, uh, vampire, the, the true to the elder tongue, um, uh-huh. that it was an order from the early 1800s. So, I mean, we have evidence, we have pretty conclusive evidence that vampires are still around. And, I mean, we have obvious evidence that, you know, bare naked ladies, at least one of them, if not all of them, are vampires. Yeah, but I, I mean, you, you keep saying at least, at least, I mean, you're you're doing the same circular logic that I hear on all of these, like, lamestream media sites, like, just answer the question, do the bare naked ladies as a whole, not one of them, are they believers? Are they truthers? Sorry. Well, that's a complicated issue, Saker, as you very well know. And uh, I mean, I, I, I don't feel like this is something that even I can discuss with you. I mean, I feel like we need to get Laura on the podcast so that I can actually have an intelligent conversation. Oh, can you, at the very least, send Laura a coded message, if I'm not ready to have this conversation, that lets her know whether or not they're re- they, they knew? Motherfucker, I already have. Oh, fuck. Take the first letter of everything Evan said, and it spells out Longaburger. I knew there was a reason I was carving this <laughs> Elon Musk. <laughs> Elongaburger Musk. God damn it. All right, Laura, I hope that <laughs> was sufficient for whatever the fuck you just asked us. Love and respect, the Bare Naked Boys. Ev, hey. we done did we another done did episode. That. I know, that was, a, that was a satisfying one. That one felt meaty to me. Did it? You, you feel satisfied with this? I do feel sad. I feel like I ate a big meal after that well, episode. If you're, if you're happy, I'm happy. You know Good. me. I go along to get along. <laughs> <laughs> did you see your quid, life turning out quid pro quo <laughs> quid pro quo did you see your life turning out this way oh, absolutely okay <laughs> okay just checking yeah yeah this is a this is exactly where i'd imagined i would be no like most people have like daydreams about their future they're like oh i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do that like i have very specific daydreams about <laughs> specifically what i'm going to be doing sure. down to like down to a t right sure yeah when you were a child you saw yourself in your own future murder yeah. basement. Talking I saw myself about the bare naked in ladies. an unfinished basement talking about the bare naked ladies. And uh, sure. Yeah. Okay, cool. Wow. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad things have worked out for you. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's working out or not. I mean, I, I wasn't like, it wasn't aspirational. This, this end that I saw myself in, I'm a realist, right? I don't look, you, I'm, not, I'm saying I'm like, I'm going to become a CEO of a company or like an astronaut or some shit. I'm, I'm yeah. a realist. Like I understand exactly what I'm going to be doing. But you didn't change the future. You didn't make yourself disappear and uh, the Jurassic Park music start playing. That's what I'm trying to say. Is <laughs> that you? Well, I knew when I asked you, Ev, do you want to do a Bare Ladies podcast with me? I saw the slightest hint of a grin on your face as you <laughs> nodded because you knew your time had come. Evbo, yep. what do you want to plug this yep. week? God, um, uh, teeth, but not like <laughs> teeth in your mouth, like teeth on a saw, a oh, saw okay. or something like that. Yeah, it helps you get through wood or, or metal. I thought you were being kind of metaphorical, like, you know, how there's hair plugs. Uh, I thought you were plugging teeth plugs. Oh, that, I mean, aren't those 
root canals? Like, isn't that just a teeth I, a tooth plug? They plug in like a false tooth there. Yeah, I guess dentures are tooth plugs. <laughs> tooth plugs is a much cooler name. <laughs> well, they're than not dentures, like though. dentures aren't like. Yeah, tooth plug. <laughs> do you think like you could get? Do you think you could get like? I almost almost assuredly you could get like if you're going to get like a root canal or like a tooth replaced, you could get it like replaced with like a weird ass tooth, like a big old scraggly mother. Uh, probably i mean people get gold teeth that's that's out of the ordinary so you could probably get yeah, like, whatever you bring them like a vanity tooth yeah if I, if you bring them like a, a shark's tooth that you got on vacation in the bahamas i'll bet you <laughs> Just, they'll install that shit <laughs> Insta- installation is what they call it too <laughs> yes you just gotta have the right dentist you gotta know yeah, a guy yeah. who knows a guy you gotta know Chaz, right he'll put anything into your mouth Don't put anything in your mouth. Oh, boy, Jess. Yikes. Uh, Ebbo, uh, I'm also plugging teeth caps this week. Weird that we would both come to that. You know what? No. I'm going to plug our friend's podcast. Our friend just came out with a new podcast called Letters to Yesterday. Uh, I listened to the first two episodes today, and it was a delight to listen to. So if you're into... uh, It's it's where people are... uh, are, are writing letters to their past selves. Uh, and it's it's very sweet and very poignant and very vulnerable. And I enjoyed it. Uh, so go listen to Letters to Yesterday. It's a good time. That's my plug. I have a real plug this week. <laughs> I didn't know it had come out. I'm going to download those episodes right yeah. now. Goodbye. Oh, I'll see you again in one week. It won't. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs>